Today's episode of Market Talk is brought to you by Growmark FS. Keeping up on the latest in ag is a challenge, to say the least. But there are experts nearby ready to help. You'll find them at your local FS. You can trust them to bring you customized agronomic, grain, and energy solutions born of the latest thinking. That's because FS specialists receive continuous training that keeps them current on the latest trends, practices, and technologies. So you'll get local expertise that's both exceptional and up-to-date. Visit fssystem.com to learn how FS is bringing you what's next. Bringing you the ag information you need, this is Market Talk. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. And welcome into Market Talk. Thanks for joining us here today. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Great to have you with us once again as we talk about the markets and issues impacting rural America as we are getting closer and closer to wrapping up the year of 2022 hard to believe we are almost there just uh, getting close here the weekend upon us with the new year's holiday and uh, i hope everyone's staying safe enjoying the holiday time here as we get ready to flip that calendar over to a new year coming up on today's show we're going to have a conversation with david widmar of agricultural economic insights here in just a moment also we're going to talk to john Bodie, president and ceo of the corn refiners association and get john's thoughts on a number of issues impacting corn farmers uh, here this year and as we look ahead into 2023. We'll also get a look at some of the uh, news headlines in agriculture coming up on the show today as well. But first up here today, kicking things off on the program, we got to talk about the markets and the agricultural economy and more as we reflect on 2022 and look ahead to 2023. We're being joined today by our good friend David Winmar, economist with Agricultural Economic Insights. And David, always good to have you on the show. Oh, sir, I hope you're doing well. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Thanks for joining us here today on Market Talk. It's great to have you back on the show. I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me join, Jesse. This is a lot of fun to wrap up the year and uh, kind of reflect on what's been going on. Definitely. Well, it's been a year. Uh, I think that's the best way to put it. It's been a year, not just uh, for everyone in general, but it, that goes same goes for agriculture as well. I mean, it started right away at the top of the year, and it's just kind of gone on through the year. Just, just to start, let's set this up, David. As we take a look back at the year that has been 2022 in agriculture, I have to think volatility is probably the the number one theme. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it definitely seems like we're in one of those periods of history where there's a lot of uncertainty, a lot of volatility, and just this wide range of possible outcomes. And we saw that, um, you know, starting the year off with the Russia invasion of Ukraine. That sort of was a big firework that set off a whole lot of um, chaos and enthusiasm uh, and concern. And there was a whole lot of emotions, depending on what side of of some of these trades you were on or some side of some of these positions you are. But, you know, it's also it it created more uncertainty and more uh, question marks about the future as well. Can you point to maybe one or two items that you felt like were a bigger catalyst, a bigger storyline in the market than maybe some of the others? Because I know there was a lot of things out there. What on your mind? What was maybe the one or two biggest things that really impacted the markets in the ag economy here this year? Well, I think one market that was significantly impacted um, 
was the farmland market. You know, this is not one that's, you know, traded every day on, on the boards like like some of our commodities. But we had this combination of at the beginning of the year, we had career low interest rates. And then we had this commodity price uh, explosion to the upside. And that fueled the profitability in the farm sector. And so we saw farmland values uh, reach really high metrics, really high numbers. Farmland values in Indiana, for example, were up 30%. I'm not sure what 2023 will have in store. They're, it, all indications that I've heard so far say it'll probably be up again. But that 30% mark, we've only seen those once or twice in a career type movement. And so I think that was one of the, the big changes that we've also seen. I think another, um, you know, I'm not going to answer your question very good here, Jesse. I'm not going to stay, stay aware from these corn, soybean, livestock contracts. I'm going to talk about the Federal Reserve and the markets that they have impacted. I think when we look back at this, I believe. Uh, all of these 75 basis point hikes, I think when you step back, what, over 400 basis points, 425 basis points of interest rate movements. Um, we have not seen anything like that in the last several decades. You have to go back to the 80s. And in the 80s, it was even bigger magnitude, uh, something like a thousand basis points. But we had a really big change here. I think, you know, we tie those things together. They're going to have a long lingering impact heading into 2023 and beyond. You brought up farmland values. I want to dive into that just a little bit more as well. I know uh, we just recently got the ISU study out, and I believe that was a little over 11000 uh, was the average price for an acre of farmland. And, uh, you know, I see that, and we hear about some of these record land sales that we got. And, you know, you, you brought up, you know, some great points there. I almost wonder with, you know, some of the supply chain concerns that we had, and I believe the ISU study noted this, you know, it seemed like farmers had a little more liquid, you know, assets, more cash on hand because they weren't buying equipment. So instead they bought land. And I wonder if that helped to maybe drive some of these prices higher as well, David. Um, there's a lot of uh, things going on in the farmland markets. And I think that could definitely be part of it. One of the things that surprised me is just the number of farmland sales that we've seen over the last 18 months. Usually when you have a lot of farmland on the market, it, it's going to depress the market. But we've actually seen really high valuations despite uh, a lot of land going to the sale. So I think that helps uh, fill in that, that narrative that you mentioned there, Jesse, about farmers being able to go and make a lot of purchases. I think when you step back and look at it from a you know 30,000 foot perspective, we have really high cash rental rates, really high farm profitability. And in general, now the Federal Reserve's changed its outlook a little bit in the last several months, but we've had a low interest rate environment, meaning that buyers of farmland were willing to pay really high prices for those assets to lock in those annual payments. So that relationship between revenue and asset values uh, in a lot of cases have been at all-time lows or near all-time lows. And that's what's driving that. I think as we head into 2023, we're going to have to start to deal with this higher interest rate environment, which could be a bit of a headwind for the farmland markets. But you know, I think thankfully we still have strong commodity price outlooks and that's going to help hopefully improve the revenue side of the equation and help uh, farmland values uh, in that respect heading into 2023 and beyond thinking on the revenue side david can farm income can it stay high into 2023 with higher inflation numbers and more are you seeing anything there are you doing any work on that as we head into next year well jesse i think the um i want to reframe what you said just a little bit i think farm yeah. income in 2022 has been record high despite this high cost structure. And I think when you think about can it remain high, you know, how high is high? Um, we saw some really strong farm income numbers in 2021, 2022. Um, 
I think these have occurred about these levels have occurred four or five times since the 1970s. So it's probably unlikely we're going to see that level of farm income in 2023. Now, weather can change, geopolitics can change this. Um, but I want to kind of reframe this to say 2021 and 22 were extremely rare to the high side. We could still have a very favorable year, but it's kind of like, um, you know, we're moving from a slightly less optimistic outlook. It's still a very positive outlook. We don't want to we don't want to lose that thread. Um, the other thing that's been really interesting on the farm uh, income story is what we call the economic engine of the farm economy. Sort of net farm income, less direct payments. That actually did improve significantly heading into 2022. What we've seen is government payments have went from record highs in 2020, sort of to the low end of quote unquote normal ranges. So we've had a pretty significant adjustment there. We'll see how that continues to play out in the following uh, years. Well, again, that's David Widmar with Agricultural Economic Insights. And David, I'm going to have you hang around. We're going to continue our conversation coming up here on the other side of the break. We'll be back with more Market Talk on the way right after this. Keeping you informed with the latest market information for your operation. This is Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to the program. Thanks for sticking with us here on Market Talk today. I'm your host, Jesse Allen, and we are joined here today by our good friend, David Widmar with Agricultural Economic Insights. And I want to give a plug again real quick for their website, AEI.ag. And uh, I know uh, they have a lot of awesome information there, a lot of different ways to make farmers, ranchers think a little bit differently about uh, their operation. And a lot of research that David and the team there put into things, AEI.ag. They have a free side, a premium side, uh, the Ag Forecast Network, a lot of things to check out. So again, AEI.ag. Uh, David is still with us. Let's get back to our conversation here on Market Talk today. David, what are your thoughts as well? I know we've been hearing a lot about exports this year and talking about some of the different, you know, either the slow pace or the normal pace of exports and this and that and just global supply challenges. And, and then we hear thoughts about, you know, inflation and the economy and the world economy. What's your thoughts with exports? I mean, will we see a slowing of U.S. farm exports, do we think, next year? What does the trend say right now? What are your thoughts there, David? The cure for high prices is high prices. And unfortunately, uh, that cuts two ways. One cut of it is it encourages producers to produce more, and we get a supply response. The other cut to this is that the high prices limit how much commodity or units of quantity uh, that uh, a corner soybean international buyer is going to purchase. And so some of this uh, sluggishness in terms of exports is somewhat expected given these high commodity prices. We were kind of noting this at the beginning of the of the marketing or excuse me, at the beginning of the growing season back in May, that we're about a billion bushels of corn usage off the trend line. And we've been sort of below the trend line for a few years now. So um, how do we think about this? Why I think about this is we probably have a long-term story that's been brewing for a few years, but we definitely have a short-term situation that's probably just driven from these high prices. Uh, and exports are where that usually shows up. That's usually where we see a lot of adjustments start to take place. We do have some favorable domestic um, considerations, especially around soybean crushing. And so I think that we need to kind of keep an eye on this. We shouldn't be surprised, but we need to make sure that our marketing plans, our farm marketing plans don't really, um, you know, 
aren't hinged on this idea of oh, exports going to sort of rebound from from the current levels. Uh, it, it's not. It's definitely possible, but we should expect this this sluggish export expectations. Now, I want to put a little mark in that. I'm still been impressed by China still buying corn. They're not buying mm-hmm. as much as they were a year ago, but they're certainly buying more today than they were uh, from you know. 2020 back in time so it's hard for us as decision makers to frame that it's not at a record and it's not at normal how do we describe that it's above normal um it's way above normal uh but it's hard to sort of quantify that that middle ground i think that's where we are in a lot of commodities we're not seeing record exports but we're not seeing an utter collapse so how do we think about that how do we frame that up and how do we communicate that with uncertainty comes a, a lot of difficulty and with uncertainty and volatility, it comes this difficulty of quantifying it and explaining it and communicating it. Well, and you mentioned China as well. They're having COVID issues here as we wrap up the year. And one has to wonder if that'll have any effect. But I like what you said, you know, try not to get too wrapped up into what's going on with exports. I think that's a big key for, for producers is to not get too wrapped up in some of these things and, and more or less look at their bottom line and what is going on on their farm, David. Yeah, um, most of us are in agriculture because we love to grow the crop or the livestock and, you know, trying to outguess what some of these markets are going to do uh, can get us into a lot of trouble. We sometimes need to just focus on what do we know about our operation? What can I what can I um, control and what can I make a decision to lock in? And so there's a, a lot of. Um, moving variables. Hindsight bias is something we want to warn everybody about going into 2023. And that's this idea of we judge the quality of a decision based on, you know, what we saw uh, as it unfolded. And so if we start looking back at 2022 or even uh, further back, I say, oh, I shouldn't have done X. Or I shouldn't have done Y because of the outcome. Well, we need to move past that and say, did I make a good decision in the moment based on all the information I had available? I think that's what producers should be focusing on heading into 23. Is how can I make really good decisions despite the uncertainty that I can be comfortable with regardless of what the final outcome is? David, let's think about as well the uh, the commodities in general. If I have to look back at 2022, I'd say probably the wildest market. I, I think all three grains were, were had their day, but wheat was probably the wildest market of the year. Would you agree with that or not? <laughs> yeah, I would agree with that. I always um, talk about wheat being a bit of a canary in the coal mine. When when things get crazy for wheat to the upside, they tend to get crazy for everything. And when they get really pessimistic for wheat to the downside, they get pessimistic for everything. And what we saw here is after that invasion uh, of Russia invading Ukraine, we saw wheat prices really take off. Uh, we saw farm level prices at the USDA level hit an all-time high of 1050 per bushel in May. And then crop insurance this fall set a, a all-time high of 879. So I think it's going to set the stage for an interesting acreage debate. Uh, early June, we're going to have that U.S. winter wheat and canola seedings report. I don't hear a lot of people talking about that, but I'm sure watching that one as an early indicator for where this corn soybean acreage debate might unfold. I want to add to this. Um, this wheat market kind of got crazy. The futures markets didn't necessarily break, but they didn't function as anybody thought they would when producers were trying to market their commodities last spring when commodity prices were rallying, it got really hard to find a cash price that they could sell their commodity for that day or create a, a, a Ford contract for. I also think, you know, I'm going to add to this. There are some cash basis in the Western Great Plains that have gone absolutely wild. And this is another example of even the best laid plans where even if you could have sort of 
predicted the future outcome, where these commodity prices would have been, being able to make a, a decision or position to capitalize on that if you're a producer could have been really hard. So our marketing plans have to have some resiliency and they have to have some flexibility and they have to be able to pivot whenever things go a little haywire and it's a little difficult to actually uh, get things locked in. Looking ahead to 2023, David, uh, you've mentioned quite a few things that I think are still going to be on producers' minds and on the minds of agriculture, obviously, as we begin the new year. What are some other things that stand out to you? Is it maybe the drought concerns? Will that tie into the acreage battle? Fertilizer prices, I know, are still out there. I mean, what are some things that other things that are on your mind as we head into 2023? To get things started off, the first thing we're watching is the ending stock situation, not for any specific commodity, but for all commodities around all countries in the in the world. There is just an overall tight stock situation. Why is this important? Because when we have uh, supply shocks, be it an invasion in Ukraine, a big grain producing part of the world, or maybe a drought that could unfold, that is the backdrop. And that's sort of like a lot of... Uh, gunpowder sort of stored away and then we have a small ignition these markets are going to be very dynamic and very explosive to respond to this tight ending stock situation is going to continue and maybe even get tighter as we get these final numbers uh, for the current crop and we start to line that up for the next growing season the second piece we're watching really carefully is this western drought um you don't have to take a look at the drought monitor too long from a year ago to this year um i'm gonna hit pause real quick there's always a drought somewhere mm -hmm. and that's and there's always some amount of drought in the corn belt but what we have seen is you know this severe drought starting in the western parts of the great plains this is you know key for where we're raising wheat some dry land corn and it's starting to spread its way across the plains and into the the far western edges of the of the corn belt and so this could start to set the stage uh for some uncertainty and then maybe some up word potential here in these commodity markets if that unfolds. And then, of course, the last piece here that we're watching is just all this geopolitical uncertainty and how that fits in with respect to this high cost structure. Producers know that what makes these margin squeeze periods so difficult is typically commodity prices adjust way faster than our cost of production can. And so when we plant this record expensive crop going into 2023, we want to be very careful because any downward movement commodity prices uh, could be especially difficult given the high cost structure we have. Well, David, I know you guys have a lot of great information just to make producers think a little bit. AEI.ag, the free side, the premium side as well. Uh, talk about how folks can learn more if they uh, want to check things out. Well, of course, check out our website, AEI.ag. And if anybody wants to check out a podcast season or two, we have that as well. AEI.ag presents available anywhere you listen to podcasts, but also you can stream it directly from the website at AEI.ag. This season, Nothing Borrow, Nothing Gain digs into where does the money that producers borrow, where does it come from? So how does the farm uh, financial and credit markets work? Well, we appreciate the time and the insight as always. AEI.ag is where you can learn more. And David, uh, always a pleasure, sir. I know we'll talk to you again in the new year. Thanks so much. And uh, we'll have you back on soon. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Same to you, Jesse. Thanks so much. Well, again, great stuff there with David Widmar of Agricultural Economic Insights, AEI.ag, joining us here today on the show. We're not done yet. Coming up next, I'm going to be joined by John Bodie, the president and CEO of the Corn Refiners Association. John is going to join us to discuss uh, some things that they are looking back on here in 2022 and looking ahead to in 2023 when it comes to CRA. We're going to get to that conversation coming up here on the way after the break as we're back with more 
More Market Talk on the way right after this. When it comes to protecting your investment in fuel and diesel-powered equipment, Diesel X Gold from FS clearly beats other diesel fuels. New detergents disperse contaminants to prevent sludge that plugs filters and causes unexpected downtime. And now, better moisture handling chemistry helps ensure your fuel stays dry, reducing microbial growth and fuel line freeze-ups. So when you're deciding what fuel to use, choose Diesel X Gold, absolutely the best fuel to power and protect your diesel equipment. Contact your local FS Energy Specialist today or visit GoFurtherWithFS.com. Market information that matters to you on Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. And joining us now, pleased to have with us President and CEO of the Corn Refiners Association, John Bodie, with us here on the show today. John, good to catch up with you again, sir. I hope you're doing well. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you. Thanks, Jesse. I'm blessed, and it's always a pleasure to talk with you. Well, thank you for the time. Let's dive right in. We're nearing the year end, John. There's been a lot of issues in front of agriculture here in 2022, and we'll no doubt see some of those issues carry over into 2023. I think about uh, CRA, though. I think about corn farmers. There's a few things that stick out top of mind. Uh, Just for you, as you look back on this past year, we've had everything from a rail strike to transportation issues. Uh, issues with GMO corn in Mexico that could very well looks like it's going to be an ongoing issue. As you just look back at this year, John, what stands out to you? What are some of these big things that we've really seen impact us that you're, uh, what's your summation of what we saw here this year, John? Jesse, in my view, it, it is the importance of supply chains and, and, uh, That came through because of COVID. It comes through in transportation. It comes through in our trade relationships. And uh, we we need, uh, for us to work efficiently, we need to have market access. We need to uh, stop falling behind the rest of the world in new market access opportunities for uh, agricultural production. Uh, we, we need to have more reliability in our transportation. And we, we also need to recognize that our trade policy is a function of foreign policy. And uh, what happens in uh, the greater national security arena affects uh, economic and trade policy. And that's a reality. And, and it emphasizes the importance of of Canada and Mexico as very important trading partners and uh, the value of strengthening those um, those uh, interrelated markets. Well, thinking about Mexico specifically, we've been hearing a lot here towards the end of the year about their GMO corn ban, the biotech corn ban that they're looking at putting in place. I know we've had representatives in D.C. here recently working with Secretary Vilsack and USTR uh, Catherine Tai. As you look at this issue, to me, this feels like maybe the single most important issue facing corn uh, farmers here and the corn industry in the U.S. moving into 2023. Would you agree with that, John? I'm afraid that's true today, but I'm I'm very hopeful. Uh, I'm I'm hopeful because, first of all, Secretary Vilsack 
and Ambassador Tai have been very clear about what the requirements of USMCA are. And, and I believe that the government leaders in Mexico are very concerned about uh, food price inflation and, uh, and the commitment to USMCA. And so, well, on the surface, this looks like it, it is a trade war coming. I, I am very confident that uh, that won't be the case, that um, cooler heads will prevail, uh, things will be worked out, and, and we will uh, have a, a stable and well-integrated North American market. John, let's talk what's uh, on the horizon for the Corn Refiners Association heading into 2023. What are some of the big topics or what is the big thing that you and the team there at CRA are really focused on as we enter a new calendar year? Well, we're focused on a farm bill coming up, and uh, that's that's always important in, in uh, policy circles uh, and uh, and. I, I hope we can talk a little bit more about that. The other thing is uh, is protecting our our trade um, uh, relationships, our trade markets, but also the need to open new markets because the rest of the world is moving ahead and creating new opportunities, and, and we are falling behind, and that's to the long-term disadvantage of American farmers and America as a whole. Well, let's talk about those things a little more, John. Let's start with the farm bill. We now have the elections passed. We know who is going to be in control of both chambers and Congress. And we look at this 2023 farm bill negotiation, wondering, is it going to be a heavy lift to get something done in 2023? There's so many facets involved. What are your thoughts? Will this be a heavy lift to get this done here in 2023, John? Jesse, I've been around uh, every farm bill since uh, the 1981 farm bill, actually implementation of the 77 farm bill, and um, they're always a heavy lift. It, it is the nature of farm bills that that's, that's the way it works, uh, but uh, I, I, it, it's important we get this done. Uh, putting it off until a presidential election year the following year does not make things easier. Uh, so I, I and I believe we've got good, strong leaders uh, uh, dealing with this and and have the ability to uh, make that lift. Uh, and and of course, at at CRA, we are focused number one on supporting our number one strategic ally, the corn growers. Uh, our industry exists because American corn farmers produce carbohydrates more efficiently than anyone in the world. And that's how our industry of chemical engineering uh, exists to uh, make countless products uh, from corn. And um, what we want to do is support the corn farmers in, in, um, in uh, protecting crop insurance, uh, developing international markets. Uh, protecting the producer safety net, uh, protecting voluntary conservation programs, and developing rural America. And, and on that last point, developing rural America, we're real excited that uh, the Corn Refiners Association, the Plant-Based Products Council, 
Corn Growers, Farm Bureau, Farmers Union, Soybean Association, uh, uh, State Departments of Agriculture, and many others are working together on the Ag Bioeconomy Coalition. And that is to uh, build uh, government programs that are better supportive of developing the ag bioeconomy. And um, that's, that holds so much promise as we move forward uh, in, in addressing environmental concerns as well as, um, as the need for better jobs in rural America. That Ag Bioeconomy Coalition is definitely huge. I know we've talked about that before. That was a a big step forward, I think, in 2022. John, you mentioned as well opening new trade markets. Uh, What are your thoughts? What are some of the maybe areas of the globe that we're really focused on? Is it Asia? Is it the Middle East? Are we looking to some new European markets? What are your thoughts there? Well, uh, first of all, I appreciate uh, what um, uh, the Biden administration is doing um, with the Pacific uh, a- Initiative, and uh, that that is good. But we also need to include tariff-reducing trade agreements, and I'm we I'm disappointed that this is the first time since the Carter administration, we have not had a president pursuing new tariff-reducing trade agreements. And uh, when last, uh, this past January, China signed the biggest uh, new trade agreement in the world, uh, we're we're being left behind. And uh, that matters. Uh, I'm disappointed that Active trade negotiations, pretty well advanced trade trade negotiations with uh, the UK and Kenya uh, have been set aside. I'd love to see those reopened, and I think we really need to get aggressive uh, in in uh, tariff reducing trade agreements in Asia. Uh, it it is um, it was a tragedy that we pulled back from TPP and uh, and. That that was a, a U.S. initiative, and now uh, China and others are striving to get into it. Well, John, great thoughts. Before we run out of time, before we let you go, anything else you'd like to add here today as we uh, look ahead to 2023? Anything else that you'd l- want to share with us today? Jesse, you know, I've been working in agriculture for uh, an agriculture policy for well over 40 years, close to 45 years. And I think this is the most exciting time I have seen to look forward to the future of agriculture policy. Uh, There are challenges and the innovation that's occurring in agriculture, especially American agriculture, which leads the world in sustainability and productivity. Uh, It's really exciting and there's much to be enthusiastic about the future of american agriculture well i will echo that sentiment as well and we appreciate a few minutes of your time with that president ceo of the corn refiners association john Bodie. thanks for the time sir merry christmas happy new year and we'll talk to you again real soon merry christmas to you jesse take care
And again, that's John Bodie, president and CEO of the Corn Refiners Association, joining us here today on Market Talk. Appreciate his time. Coming up here next, before we wrap up the show, we are going to take a look at some of the news headlines here in agriculture, some of the things that we are watching as we get different year-end wrap-ups and more throughout the industry. We'll get to some of those headlines. Coming up next as we're back with more Market Talk on the way right after this. market information that matters to you on market talk now back to jesse allen and welcome back to the show here thanks for joining us today on market talk and a big thanks to our guests both uh, david widmar of agricultural economic insights and john Bodie with the corn refiners association we appreciate uh, both those guys uh, taking time out of their holiday uh, week here and joining us on the program today. Well, a couple of uh, news headlines we want to take a look at here on the show before we wrap it up for the day today. Agricultural conditions in the Minneapolis Federal Reserve's district in the upper Midwest are surprisingly strong at the end of 2022. That's the opinion of Joe Mayon, Regional Outreach Director with the Minneapolis Fed. Despite supply chain challenges and soaring input costs, Mayon said commodity prices are keeping things in good shape. That has the effect of boosting incomes, even though those margins have gotten kind of squeezed. The data that we have available to us indicate that farm incomes in 2022 have increased from a year ago. And 2021 was a pretty strong year itself. So that's overall pretty good picture. It's maybe a little bit surprising given what we've seen happen to the inputs. Now, one thing that we know is that a lot of producers buy their inputs, particularly fertilizer and chemical, a year ahead. And so they're still working off inputs that they bought before the really big surge. And so the concern then is about what might happen next year, especially if we see a reversion in crop prices. While the overall condition of the district's ag economy is in solid shape, Mayan says parts of the district struggled in 2022. The one exception I think that you can point to this year was in the Golden Triangle region of Montana. I was out there in August during the wheat and barley harvest, and they had a pretty bad drought this year. And actually, it's been two years in a row of pretty bad drought. What I will say is that if you look at the crop production numbers from Montana, the wheat and barley production out of Montana was actually up a little bit this year, but well below what you typically see. And what I was hearing from producers out there was that the wheat crop was pretty good quality. Even though the total production was down, yields were way down. Pretty good protein content. The dry weather was kind of helped with getting the crop dried. Cattle producers in that region also struggled with drought. They couldn't find enough feed and wound up producing their herd sizes quite a bit. Looking back over the year, while there were several challenges for producers to deal with, drought was probably the biggest factor affecting success. In 2022, it might have been, other than just higher diesel costs, higher transportation costs, higher input costs across the board, that's the thing that I've tended to hear about most, even in some of the areas that were pretty heavily hit by drought. Looking to the new year, Mayan says more challenges await producers. Well, it's interesting because we're looking back you know, over the past year, what were we just talking about? We were talking about drought, right? And weather is kind of, especially this far out, impossible to predict. And so that's kind of always going to be, I think, the biggest question. What happens globally is going to be another major question that people are going to worry about throughout the year. 
just in terms of markets staying open and various other kind of geopolitical shocks that happen both on the input and on the commodity output side as well. And he says one protection that the ag economy has in place is that people will always need food. Agriculture is kind of acyclical with the rest of the economy. So that's something that if I were a producer, I maybe wouldn't be as worried about. People always need food. And so whether the economy is good or bad, they might change their food consumption habits, but they still need to eat. And so it's really these other factors that tend to drive the cycle in agriculture. Like I said, weather, international conditions and sort of trade conditions and things of that nature. And again, that's Joe Mayen with the Minneapolis Fed. Well, 2021 and 2022 were good years for beef exports. Dr. Daryl Peel, livestock market economist with Oklahoma State University, talks about what's ahead in 2023. You know, the general pattern doesn't change a great deal. If you look at the major beef exporting countries, Brazil is expected to continue being, by a significant amount, the largest beef exporting country. Now, actually, in 2022, it looks like the U.S. was probably number two. That's a little unusual. We've not been that high. We're usually third or fourth place. As we go forward, Australia is in recovery mode. Their exports are expected to increase next year. India is still in there. And so the U.S. may actually fall back in terms of ranking a little bit. And our exports could drop slightly. But the bottom line is it looks pretty good going forward. Now, there should be a lot of export opportunities in the global marketplace during the next year. On the importing side, of course, China, Hong Kong has emerged in the last six or seven years by far as the largest beef importing country, even though it's slowing down. And China's had lots of issues with COVID restrictions there. Their economy has struggled a little bit. So they're growing more slowly, may actually decrease slightly. But again, they're at a very high level. The U.S. is the second largest beef importing country. And our imports actually might pick up a little bit next year with declining beef production and high prices in the U.S., We may see a slight increase in beef imports next year. And then Japan, South Korea are the number three and four markets. So in general, the global beef market still looks pretty strong. And Dr. Peel says the 2023 beef market is going to be sharply different than 2022. We've kind of got all the pieces in place here right at the end of 2022 to see this thing really kind of turn the corner, if you will. We're going to see uh, higher prices for cattle. We're going to see margin squeezes in the middle of the industry. So packer margins and feedlot margins are going to be under some pressure going forward. We're going to have higher cattle prices, but on the top end, there will be some limitations on the demand side just because uh, we've got potential recession. We've got inflationary pressures on consumers. So there'll be some squeezing in the middle of this thing. Now, despite challenges in the new year, there will be opportunities for profitability. I think cattle producers in general, cow-calf and stocker producers, have a potential for better profitability in 2023. Obviously, we've got input costs as well. So cost management is going to continue to be a, a priority for us to take advantage of these stronger markets. But the supply fundamentals on the cattle side is going to be very supportive to cattle markets in the coming year. And again, that's Dr. Daryl Peel of Oklahoma State University. One other note here today on the show, the global potash outlook in 2023 looks to be a bit of a mixed bag. According to a recent DTN article, the entire world fertilizer industry continues to watch closely the continuing war between Ukraine and Russia, which could disrupt supply. Russia and Belarus account for 41% of the globally traded potash and are the second and third largest producers. Because of record high fertilizer prices, farmers across the world cut back on these nutrients, which cause much demand, uh, much of the demand to fall. With more supply on deck in 2023, potash prices should push lower in the new year. Chris Lawson, head of fertilizers for CRU International, told DTN that much of the demand destruction has been done to the potash market in 2022. It was thought when the war began in February that this was going to limit the supply of potash as so much comes from the Black Sea region, so prices increased significantly. However, the largest potash producer in the world, Canada, responded with increased production 
production, and this increased Canadian production has helped to alleviate possible supply concerns, even with about 10 million metric tons annually from Russia and Belarus, he said. Interesting report there on Potash Supplies as we head into the new year. Well, that is all the time we have for Market Talk here today. Again, thanks to our guest, David Widmar of AEI and John Bodie from the Corp Refiners Association. Thanks again for joining us. I'm your host, Jesse Allen, wishing you a great rest of your day. When it comes to protecting your investment in fuel and diesel-powered equipment, Diesel X Gold from FS clearly beats other diesel fuels. New detergents disperse contaminants to prevent sludge that plugs filters and causes unexpected downtime. And now, better moisture handling chemistry helps ensure your fuel stays dry, reducing microbial growth and fuel line freeze-ups. So when you're deciding what fuel to use, choose Diesel X Gold, absolutely the best fuel to power and protect your diesel equipment. Contact your local FS Energy Specialist today or visit GoFurtherWithFS.com.